welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is a show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. And my special guest today, I have Gerald Jones, founder of 5G Sports and Entertainment Consultant with Next Up Partners and former vice president of Biz Dev and Media at Minor League Baseball. Gerald, how are you doing today, man? Great, great. It's great to be with you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Hope all is well up your way. Pleasure is all mine. It's a wonderful day. It's a good day to be alive. I wouldn't ask for anything else other than the Giants to be good and maybe the Mets to uh, be in the playoffs. But other than that, man, we're good. Can't complain. Can't complain. So, Gerald, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Well, I think it's just part of my DNA, my fabric um, growing up playing both baseball and basketball and, uh, you know, continued on in college. Um, you know, sports does a lot for, <clears throat> for, for, for young folks, building self-esteem, having team, uh, teammates, I should say, um, character and, and all those great things. But, you know, you kind of get separated from all the other things in the world when you're on a sports field and are working in, in, in many cases in the sports industry. So um, it, it's in me at this point in time. It's hard to watch games and I think about certain things and so forth. Um, but I think for a love of sports, no pun intended, um, you know, I can't think of a better industry to work in. It's, I mean, fan is short for fanatic, right? And that's why you got into it. Uh, you loved it so much. And as you said, you know, it's difficult to watch now without noticing things. I always love talking to announcers and play-by-play guys and people behind the camera. And it's always like, hey, like, how do you watch these games without just getting angry at stupid stuff or saying, oh, I would have done it this way? And I'm sure the same things for you, especially in that corporate partner space. So I'm very excited to get to chat about that a little bit. But as you said, you played baseball growing up. You actually went and played baseball in college for a little while. And then your first job or one of your first jobs out of school was to work with the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is pretty darn cool. Obviously, nice legacy there. Was that kind of the plan? Was that like, you know, you probably weren't going pro uh, considering how many people get drafted in the MLB draft? Like, was that kind of the understanding? Like, hey, I'll at least go work in baseball for a little bit. That'll be fun. Well, you know, I grew up in Savannah, Georgia and played college baseball in Savannah, Georgia. And after my graduate work at Southern Mississippi, someone knew someone at the University of Pittsburgh. And so I got the intern briefly there. Simultaneously, there was a renaissance in sports in Pittsburgh at that time. They opened Heinz Field and my beloved PNC Park at that point in time. Little known fact, most people don't understand. I was huge, or well, most people do understand. I, I was a huge Barry Bonds fan mm-hmm. um, during that time and still am. Um, but that I followed the Pirates all throughout his tenure there. So for me, I was a kid in the candy store mm-hmm. when I get introduced to the folks in ballpark operations that said, hey, we're hiring. We're going to have some positions open. Would you be interested um, and at the time, we were closing Three River Stadium. Most of you are familiar with that, and opening PNC Park, which in my mind is is the best ballpark in America, maybe one of the best sports facilities, uh, perhaps in the world. If you haven't been, certainly would recommend you attend uh, a game there. I haven't been yet. Uh, this year, we were planning on going to a couple. We, as in uh, my now wife, my cousin, we're all very big baseball fans, and we were just gonna, you know, I have a um, uh, for Christmas last year, she got me a little like Matt that, you know, you scratch off each of the stadiums you've gone to. So there's a couple that are scratched off. I've been out to Seattle, obviously all the ones here in the New York metropolitan area. So scratched off a couple of those. There's a couple throughout the country that I've been able to, I mean, I touched Fenway park. I didn't get in, but I touched it, which was, I mean, I guess that was kind of cool, but uh, the goal was to scratch off a couple more this year. And unfortunately that wasn't able to happen. Yeah. 
we'll push off to next year and see what happens. But it's uh, it, it is a blast. I do love going to baseball stadiums. There's just something about them, especially iconic ones like PNC, um, right. like the old Yankee Stadium, the new Yankee Stadiums. It's, it doesn't really do as much for me, but I've been to the old one as well, and it's just it's so cool just to see the history and everything, and especially with you know in Pittsburgh with Roberto Clemente and everything that happened there. I think that adds that extra layer to it as well. And hey. I'm also a Barry Bonds fan, you know, whatever, man. I think the dude's incredible. He was a Hall of Famer before any of the allegations came up. Still think he's in a Hall of Famer because everybody was doing him back then. But that's, that's another conversation. Let's not get into that. This interview would have been over if you'd have said something otherwise. I'm just kidding. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I do love Mike Trout, too, but that's a whole, you know, maybe he'll Mike get to the playoffs. Legit. There's no question. Mike Trout's a, a very talented individual. One of these days he'll get to the playoffs. We'll see what happens there. So, you get to be uh, part of the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, as you said, with you know opening up a new stadium. You have Barry Bonds there, a lot of stuff. Renaissance, as you said, with Pittsburgh sports. Um, what was it that led you to the corporate partnership side? Was that always something? Were you always interested in sales? Were you always interested in high-level sales? Like, how was that just one of the positions that was open? And you're like, hey, I want to work for the Pirates. Let's go. Like, how did that part of it uh, come about? No, I actually got hired uh, to be in ballpark operations there, and I, I was training a, a group of folks, um, uh, ticket takers, um, ushers, and so forth. And, and, and in Pittsburgh, that's a unionized group. Mm-hmm. And so we need to change the culture of how folks were um, were treated when they came to Three River Stadium in terms of little small stuff like it's wet. But the ushers wouldn't wipe your seat down unless you're going to uh, give them a tip, stuff like that, right? Some old school Pittsburgh stuff. And that was true. And we did a very good job of changing that culture um, those early years, actually leading in, going coming out of the River Stadium, going into PNC Park. So I did a lot of training um, of those. I mean, we're talking two, three. Anybody who worked at PNC Park as a game day employee had to come through a training session that I actually was a part of. And our COO at the time, a gentleman by the name of Dick Freeman. Dick Freeman was at one point in time the president of the Padres. Um, actually, two stints as president of the Padres. Also, as a president of a bank there in San Diego. But for a, about a six-year stint, he worked alongside the great Kevin McClatchy, um, who was who saved baseball in Pittsburgh. Many many give him credit for, and also put the plan together um, to to get PNC Park built. Dick Freeman approached me and said, "We are wasting your talents." because you communicate so well and your personality is such that you should be in front of corporate partners. And he was a well-respected guy. Um, I felt that was an opportunity for me to make more money. I was starting a family, all these other things were happening. And so that's how I got into uh, to corporate partnerships. I started on the client services side of things, did that for two years, managing a whole lot of accounts, did some selling on the side, Big shout out to Mike Berry, currently with the Arizona Coyotes, for giving me the opportunity. Vic Gregwitz, currently the president of the Louisville Bats. Those guys are very instrumental in getting me acclimated into the sales role. And then later on, Mike Egan, I would say, too, um, as well, who's now one of our general sales manager at a radio station out in Portland. So, um, you know, I'm very loyal to those who have given me opportunities. I think that's kind of carried me a long way as well. Um, but that's how I got into it. That's awesome, man. That, that is a, it's a nice way to get into it too. You were crushing your job so much that someone was able to realize, Hey, I think there's a better place for you to be that you could add more money to your pocket, but also have money, more, more money to our pocket. So everybody uh, is, is happy about that one. And I guess through that, what, what was it about corporate partnerships that 
had you stick around that you wanted to continue down that path for a, you know, what looks like a good chunk of your life? Yeah, I'm a people person. And, you know, I also like a little bit of variety as well. So, you know, this offers or lends itself the opportunity to really meet with a lot of different folks across a lot of different industries. And I will tell you, there are folks that I, I sign as my very first partnership. I, I just, I, it was a moving company. I did in the first 10 days or so of me being on the corporate partnership side of things. I have maintained a relationship with the guy I did that original deal with. Um, to the extent that he's moved me four times uh-huh. and he just moved my grandmother-in-law. So, Love you know, that. anytime I can float those guys business, cause they're just good people in Pittsburgh. Um, and most of the folks, even in the Tampa Bay region, I've come across, they're good people in it. And I would say the same thing from a national perspective. It's really that the ability to go out and make, um, you know, sales, you know, I, I like, there's that competitive spirit that I still have, um, and have maintained throughout that tenure. I think you have to have those two or three things. You got to love building relationships. You got to love people and you got to have that desire to kind of close the sale and, and also to, uh, to drive you to make some extra cash. So love that. there you that have it. That's true. So that's one nice thing about sales. The more you put in, the more you get out in most situations, not too many jobs are like that. 1000%. 1000%. You speak, you speak the truth, Michael, you speak the truth. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, Gerald. <laughs> you should tell somebody. Um, so with, uh, with that, so you worked at the Pittsburgh Pirates for a little bit. You eventually went on to the Tampa Bay Bucks and you even went to Learfield IMG College, uh, where you did a lot of sales in college as well. And, and without touching upon each of those directly, as we just did with the Pirates, which I think is always cool to see kind of how you got in. I'm definitely curious from a corporate partner perspective, what it was like going from baseball to football to then college as well. And some of the differences compare and contrast, I guess the three of those and what you saw some of those things looked like, especially high level. I mean, the, the pirates baseball, we know is very regional football is regional, but it's the NFL. So we know the, the billions and billions and billions of dollars that are funneled through that. And then with college, we also know just kind of how, uh, again, fan of short for fanatic, how fanatical college sports fans are. So I guess I'm kind of curious, like what did you learn along the way at each of these three spots and some of the different sim- similarities and differences as well? Well, you certainly get spoiled by all the luxuries of the National Football League. Yes, so sure. um, and, and the Glazier family, as well as Jeff Adjulouni uh, at the time who ran corporate partnerships, they gave me a wonderful opportunity there. Um, but the amount of food that you consume on road trips with the NFL, just the the heightened, you know, um, the heightened media and everything else around um, that franchise, which was had enjoyed some successes there when I had come through with John Gruden and made some coaching changes. I was Raheem Morris and so forth. Um, and then on to IMG, first opportunity to, to to run my own sales program, but also see kind of the, the, the impact of Power Five uh, Division One Athletics. And at that time, you know, talk about conversions, you know, Pitt was going from uh, the Big East to the Atlantic mm-hmm. Coast Conference. And why is that happening? And understanding the nuances of how, you know, literally is on the, on the bus behind Steve Peterson. Absolutely. It's definitely about money. All about the money. Sitting on the bus behind Steve Peterson, the athletic director at that time, when the news broke. So these are the things that you just go, wow, um, looking back on it now as to how that took place. You know, the nuances and the differences between the two, the dollars is, is, a, is a big thing. And, and, and part of the reason why we didn't make that shift was dollars, but it was also the continuity of the conferences, right? So Pitt's um, 
thought process and initiative uh, of, of wanting to make sure they were competitive in football or playing in a competitive environment of football needed to be stabilized because the writing was on the wall uh, of what was happening in college football at the time, right? So there have been folks like Ben Sutton, who's the leader of IMG, you know, literally said, hey, there's probably going to be five or six power conferences and no one else. And he was pretty close to that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the American and uh, the Mountain West and, and Conference USA probably could, could could join together in some capacity and form that sixth one. But he was – Ben Sutton was almost – 1000% right. He saw that coming just through a lot of conversation with some, some power brokers in college sports, but there's nothing like the NFL. Um, I, I would tell you uh, they have maintained it. It's just, you know, it's one day a week or one day a week for market, but the ratings from a TV ratings perspective, from you, you name it, they are just on top of the world in, in many aspects of, of the sports and entertainment industry. Um, the, the collegiate space, I will tell you um, specifically college football is right there as well um, in, in terms of what I saw, not only in Pittsburgh, but I would say when you go to Notre Dame and you go to um, to Virginia Tech and some of these other places that this is this is the culture, right? I mean, this is what it is. And and, and people live uh, and sacrifice to get those tickets and they want to get an RV and tailgate. Just it, it brings out the, the, the passions and folks that that you wouldn't ordinarily see otherwise. Um, and so that's the fun part of it. But there's hard work that goes into all each and every one of those, you know, from a sales perspective. No one's calling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers saying, hey, I want to be a sponsor or a partner. There's still work. The difference is, though, when you call when you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you get that phone call or that email mm-hmm. back a little faster than you did at Pitt um, or certainly with some of the, con- the groups that I'm working with now at 5G Sports and Entertainment um, and so forth. So that's the fundamental difference is that as a, as a – as a ticket sales guy, if I was in tickets or a sponsorship guy or, or any facet of the Buccaneers organization, when you call in this market, that phone call gets returned. Yeah. For the NFL, I right. could see that being, yeah, that, right. that, that probably makes your life a little easier. As you said, not too many people are calling you up, but at least you're getting those phone calls. You have the opportunity to make the sale. And obviously you've been doing a pretty darn good job at this point. So I'm sure a couple more sales came through and and it is really interesting again kind of comparing and contrasting the three because because baseball is such a a regional sport right and and then you know football is yeah as you said it's one day a week and especially now with red zone and fantasy football and now sports betting it's becoming bigger and bigger from a standpoint that i'm gonna watch the thursday night game tonight as of recording it's the jets versus the broncos it's gonna be awful but I have skin in the game now. So now right. I kind of want to see whether it's going to be a blowout or not. I mean, I'm watching, you know, the the fourth quarter of that Kansas City Ravens game because I have Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback and I want to win my fantasy matchup. So there's so many extra implications now with the NFL that they did a great job in leading into all that stuff. And now they're really leaning into the sports betting aspect too, which again, casual right. fans, you put five, 10 bucks on a game, you can win another five or 10. Hey, that's a couple beers. You know, why not? Let's, let's see what happens. So um, I think it is interesting. I think it is interesting. I'm excited to kind of see how that industry continues to go. And then, as you said, with college, how did you see, especially so going from team to team to, I guess, then agency, what was that aspect of it like too? you know, going from, hey, I'm selling the bucks and this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And now you're then you go to Learfield where it's more of, you know, you have a portfolio of opportunities to sell where you I think, you, as you said, you kind of manage that sales um you mean you were the sales director there, it sounded like. What Correct. what was the difference and how did you kind of what, give me some comparison contraction between, you know, one team and one market to 
hey, you know, now I have everything I can sell. Well, I, I, my focus primarily there, um, which subsequently is funny because you kind of segued into the next part of my career. Nice. Uh, but that was my first foray into managing a sales team, but also of selling into multiple properties. So you make a very, very good point. Um, and being a part of the senior leadership team at the University of Pittsburgh's athletic department, you got to see things that I ordinarily would not have seen until you get you know, elevate to a certain uh, a certain level. Um, you know, I, I would tell you in that market uh, of Pittsburgh, I had some experience because of all my tenure with the Pirates. So it was a really easy transition for me to come back into that market and do uh, quite a few quite a few things. What you learn though is is hey during baseball season in Pittsburgh, I was the only game in town. Um, as a sales leader, my competition really was um, it was the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Same time period, right? And not only that, the Steelers had primary rights for uh, the real assets of value outside of IP at Heinz Field. So you, you kind of had one strike against you in, mm-hmm. in many ways. But you also had the Penguins you were competing with. Um, and then you also, because I also had basketball too, that I was, um, you know, Pitt basketball was, was really good um, at, during that Jamie Dixon era. And he had them rolling and, and, and enjoyed two or three NCAA tournaments uh, riding along with them. So um, th- there's that part of that component. But what you forget is, is Pittsburgh's kind of right in the center. You still had Ohio State folks and folks that control dollars. Penn State, certainly you can't forget about those guys. They kind of um, have a stronghold across the state. And you also had a school 77 miles south of, of Pittsburgh called West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And a lot of influence there with those Mountaineers. And so there was a competitive nature, um, certainly a, a market that uh, had a lot of Fortune 500 companies or still does, Dick Sporting Goods and GNC and PNC and PPG and I can go on and on and on. Um, but uh, we did well. We set records there. We did quite a few things. Personally, I was able to start doing some things um, where I was invoking multiple properties into deals. And it was kind of the first foray into that and kind of led on to the next couple stops that I had. Very cool, man. Yeah. I mean, once you have that portfolio, um, you know, as long as you can find a company that it makes, you know, one of those makes sense for you have the opportunity to make that sale, which I think is pretty important. And then like, let's, let's hop on to the um, next stop along in your career, you went to minor league baseball, you were the what do I have? Vice president of biz dev and uh, media, uh, which sounds right. like a lot of fun. So again, now you're going from team to team to agency. Now you're going to a league and minor league baseball is huge. Obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. Unfortunately, maybe we can touch upon that, but your time there, what was it like? I mean, minor league baseball is such a, it's an interesting thing because you know, there's teams in the middle of Montana, right? There's teams in the middle of, you know, North Dakota and, and like, Nebraska, where that's all those towns have. And now they're not very big, but that's all that town has. And and it's always interesting. You know, I I live here in New Jersey. There's a couple independent leagues here. Obviously, the Trenton Thunder, if you're familiar with the Yankees. I mean, obviously, that's a big one. So it's just always so interesting because it's so fun, right? It's like 10 bucks for a ticket, $5 for a beer, $3 for a hot dog. You can get out of there spending less than 20 bucks and having a great time. And so how were you able to position minor league baseball in a way where you want these corporate partners to come in knowing that the eyeballs quite aren't as much, but there's still a huge, huge opportunity for these companies to make an attraction and, and make a connection with the teams and with the people that are still going to those games. No, good points. You know, when, when I left uh, 
the University of Pittsburgh, I did go to a company called Feld Entertainment, which actually um, has motorsports and and uh, family entertainment. And so most of my career has been family entertainment, but it was the first foray in the national sales. Mm-hmm. And so between, I would tell you that the, the, the biggest impact um, has been doing the national sales thing. Um, not to say that someone locally got monotonous, but it, mm-hmm. it the, you know, the opportunity to spread my wings and, you know, now you're dealing with different agencies and national contacts for brands. That's when that started. And it partly nicely into uh, minor league baseball. I would tell you guys like David Wright certainly inspired, um, you know, everything that, that kind of took place at minor league baseball. He really kind of reconfigured um, how the commercial model was set up across the minor league baseball landscape. So for years, you know, trying to aggregate assets across 160 teams um, was a challenge. And I think he was able to come and come and do it and set the stage based on what he had done at MLS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and the team there had a, had a really simple mission and it's to try and find brands, you know, bigger brands, great challenger brands, uh, all the same uh, to where they would understand, Hey, this is the soul of America's pastime uh, across many of these markets. They are the only game in town um, in many of these markets. And we had some very good ones too. I mean, we're talking Sacramento, Las Vegas, Columbus, um, Louisville, Indianapolis. I mean, there's some marquee markets and we're in some of the bigger markets too. Chicago land um, in, in New York city with Brooklyn. And uh, you know, you talk about Nashville, Atlanta. And so we had a story to tell, um, it's it's a little unfortunate what's happening now, obviously, um, and, and, and the landscape is going to change ever so slightly. Still waiting on some of the results. All indicators show there's going to be a reduction of teams officially affiliated with minor league baseball um, and major league baseball may or may not um, take over uh, the operation that, that once existed. So. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, what the end result is, my hope is is that, uh, that you know most of the teams have some place and some affiliation. That's out of my control at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, the biggest thing is to get butts back in seats because the business model, as it sits here today, um, doesn't help those those owners. Um, you know, be successful without fans in the stands. Um, there's not a strong media component. Right at this at this stage, we were working through that um, with 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 Octagon and and some other agency folks to, to try and help us get to a point where there was a value proposition for for a distributor to kind of come on and and rock and roll with us. But um, so then things got halted, obviously, by the pandemic. And uh, and so hopefully I, I, uh, this will be a positive end result for for most of the owners, if not all. Of course, really hoping for that. Um, you know, it is unfortunate with the pandemic and, and understanding that minor league baseball is something that, yeah, I guess you can watch some of it on TV. Uh, you know, I've been to more games than I've watched uh, on TV when it comes to minor league baseball. And But I mean, the one thing about baseball and, you know, one thing we know, and, and you don't work there anymore, so I don't mind saying this, is they're terrible at marketing. Like, it's insane how bad baseball is at marketing and, and understanding that, you know, these prospects that are coming up, especially in the market, in the region where people care, I care about the Mets prospects, right? I knew Pete Alonzo before Pete Alonzo was Pete Alonzo last year, right? Right. I, um, you know, some of the pitching prospects that they had that I eventually traded away because they have a terrible GM. But, you know, it's, it's the understanding that, the fans know who these guys are. So maybe I'm not going to watch all seven innings of a minor league baseball game, but I'll tune in if I know one of these dudes is pitching like that's awesome. That's fun for me. I'm 
probably not going to watch it over the Mets, but it's something also to pay attention to. So I think there is a media component there, but I think it's all like it is that in-person experience, right? I'm sure you've heard of the Savannah Bananas with um, Jesse mm-hmm. Cole, I think his name is. I can't Absolutely. remember. I, I apologize, Jesse, but you know the yellow tux guy, dude is nuts, but he has so much fun. And it's just, if you can create an experience for people to be there and want to enjoy and hang out and again, drink a beer, eat a hot dog, enjoy what the heck's going on on the field. Why would you not want to go? And again, these brands, as you said, it's the soul of baseball. And I really like how you say that because that's very true. We know the major league teams are really just worried about money at this point, which, Hey, uh, who am I to say, you know, a billionaire can't worry about money, but it is really these small teams that, are the lifeblood of their community, but also the soul of baseball. And going there and seeing that, these brands can take advantage, which I'm sure is something that you guys, again, that story that you were trying to tell. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I I will say, you know, there was a lot of effort um, with the marketing team there at uh, minor league baseball, you know, social media group and so forth that really tried to push and work with teams to kind of increase Hey, this is happening. This guy's doing this and, yep. and so forth. So there was a lot more of that going on in the last three or four years than maybe in years past. Um, you know, I think the model was probably the NBA and the NBA does an extremely good job across all areas of business, candidly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether it be social justice or or, or social media, uh, how they market their players and so forth. We were, trust me when I tell you this, Mm-hmm. A lot of hard work had been done within the confines of that St. Petersburg office to get better at those things, Michael. So it's great that you actually acknowledge that. And it is a baseball industry thing, too. We talk about Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about all of the other great ones that are out there currently. You know, the Yankees are stacked with them. The best team in baseball may be the Tampa Bay Rays, but can you name one player outside of Tampa Bay Rays, right, on, on, on that team? Maybe Blake Snell. He was um, Brandon Lau or Lowe and then Nate Lau or Lowe don't actually know how to say either of their last name and That's then well. yeah like no oh Charlie Morton <laughs> Charlie Morton was on my uh fantasy baseball team so he put two of those like I think half of those are former pirates so way to yep. stick to me <laughs> but that's neither here that's that's neither. there's another one sorry <laughs> but right but that's neither here nor there you know the yeah. issue the, the real issue is is okay here you have a team who probably could win the you know could be the, them and the Dodgers in the, in the final. They've already advanced the division series, and you don't know who they are. So that's a problem. But you probably know who's on the Miami Heat. You probably know who was on the Milwaukee Bucks. You probably knew you can name three, four, five players on a 13-man roster for a lot of these teams, and you can't do it um, with, with some of these major teams. So it's an industry thing I think we're working through. You know, um, the way things are structured in the baseball industry now from a player development perspective and the way salaries work, based within the framework of your market, you know, you have three, four, five years of control with a guy and then you can kind of pass it on the buck and hope that your development has pushed mm-hmm. the next great player uh, or potential star um, your way. And so you hold those salaries down or keep your budgets down and so forth until the next group can kind of, kind of revolve. The Rays have been extremely successful with it. How that plays into how you market folks um, uh, is, is interesting too, because they go to those bigger markets. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, and they get the bigger salaries and so forth. Very critical uh, players union negotiation coming up that it's already begun, candidly. Um, so we'll see some changes and perhaps patches on sleeves or on shirts, excuse me. Um, how players, you know, how much of that money comes back to them. 
Um, so this will be an interesting time period. I think we're starting to evolve, or the baseball industry starting to evolve a little bit more as we kind of go along and getting out of that old guard and realizing that if we don't do it, that money's going to the NFL, it's going to the NBA, mm-hmm. it's going to now LLS, um, it's going to quite a few other places. And so esports and all the other things. So there's a variety of opportunities within the world of sports. Baseball's missed out on a handful. Betting, you're starting to see that kind of come in the fold. Um, so the debate in Cincinnati will be, well, you should put Pete in. You know, so it's interesting because it does offer um, offer some topics of discussion moving forward. It it really does, and that's um, baseball is my favorite sport, and it's not even close. And that's the most frustrating thing for me is to see how consistently wrong they are. It's just always doing the wrong thing. And I mean, I'm a Mets fan, so I'm very familiar with someone just consistently going and doing the wrong thing, and it's just very frustrating from a player marketing standpoint, from a, you know, trying to make the game enjoyable standpoint. Like, I just don't understand why they do it. And it's, I'm sure you being in the inside, you know, a little bit more. Uh, I'm not a very big fan of Rob Manfred. So if you want to say something nice about him, you're more than welcome. You don't have to, but you're more than welcome. And it's just, it's just so frustrating sitting and seeing again, as you said, all these other sports, what they're doing. Don't recreate the wheel, guys. Like, we don't have to do something that's not already being done. As you said, for the last few years, you're trying to pay attention to that NBA model and do that. Like, yes, that is what you should be doing. And you should also should be taking from the NFL and what they're doing and and think more like a startup, you know, from the esports perspective or the MLS perspective, because esports is going to take baseball over. And I don't really think it's going to be close pretty soon. And baseball is supposed to be America's pastime and not that many people care about it. The whole playoff system now is, is you know, going to be out of whack. And I mean, this year, you know, we can kind of almost throw that out. It's unfortunate, but I don't know, man. Yeah. Is there a shot well, for baseball in the future? Because I'm really, well, really I, 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 Let me say this. There's a lot of great people up in New York trying to um, trying to, 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 to advance the game, right? So you have the, the, the pace of play mm-hmm. issue. You have the diversity issue, trying to get back to where you were, you know, back in 1975 when I think it was, you know, 47% of of the the league was was African American. Um, you know, you have you have a variety, of, you know, the, the the competitive balance issue as well. Um, and so I think they they worked tirelessly. You know, the whole minor league baseball situation is interesting too because it was just about, in my opinion, and we'll see how this shakes out, but it's more about owners kind of controlling a little bit more. It's like, why are we negotiating with you when the other leagues don't have to do so? So can we come to an agreement that that makes us all whole? So there's a ton of smart folks. Honestly, I've met Rob Manford two or three times. I was at a business development executive uh, conference with him back in 2001. Seen him again a few times, obviously, with the All-Star Games in Pittsburgh. Uh, during those time periods, my interactions with Rob have been absolutely fabulous. Um, he has a challenging job, though. I mean, he's the commissioner of of of, uh, of Major League Baseball. Um, you know, they have the the antitrust exemption. You know, some some nuances to the game. Um, and like I said, his hands are full with the coronavirus scenario. Um, he's had to reconfigure this thing to where players can be safe, and that owners. You know, he's got thirty. 30 owners that he has to report mm-hmm. to essentially. Um, and then how do you, again, how do you advance the game? Right. So advancing the game kind of took a backseat to, we got to figure out this coronavirus thing, how it affected minor league baseball because major league teams could send players. So it has been a, a, a mess in and of itself. Given the entire situation, I think you should probably give those guys a pat on the back because they mm-hmm. get, they get them on the field. They work through some of the challenges with, with, uh, 
with positive test results and so forth to where we could have baseball, Michael. So I'm very thankful that yes. we had baseball this year um, collectively. Um, Sad that it didn't happen at the minor league baseball level um, because it's really going to have a, a – has had a, a serious uh, effect. You know, some of these teams will have gone 19, 20, 21 months with no revenue coming in. Mm-hmm. So even if you got season ticket money, you had to pass it on the next year where you don't recognize those dollars next year because you had to use it for this year. So that's this, it's a very complicated matter. Same with sponsorships as well. Um, it's a very complicated matter. Um, and how you had to shift dollars and make ends. A lot of folks have lost jobs either temporarily or permanently, uh, in the industry. So, um, I think pound for pound, what they've done at the major level, there's some domino effects that maybe were unforeseen. Um, but to get them on the field and, and get them rock and rolling and live up to TV contracts and uh, and get our major league players on the field, I think was was the priority. Mm-hmm. They did that. They did that fairly successfully. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. I'm excited to see what's happening. You got baseball uh, at high noon, yeah. which is awesome. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Yes, and I'm very grateful again that they did get on the field and a lot of good things did come out. And of course, we like to focus on the negative a little bit more than the positive. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how people are. But no, I think, again, dude's got a very hard job. I won't. I don't think I could do it, let's be honest. But uh, so who am I the heck to criticize? But there are also then the you know foot in the mouth situations where it's like oh we can't pay the players more but we did just sign a billion dollar contract it's like well come on guys like optics it's just optics like let's figure it out but that's enough on baseball um i think it is great and i'm very grateful for it and and you actually just recently left minor league baseball this is only a couple months ago at this point and went and started your own business as i said before founder of 5g sports and entertainment so was the goal to start your own business during a pandemic? Did you see an opportunity and said, hey, if this if there's a time, especially everything that's going on with minor league baseball, was this kind of expected? Talk to me a little bit about that opportunity. No, all the above. It, it kind of happened uh, in a domino effect kind of fairly fast. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, I saw an opportunity back coming out of the winter meetings of, hey, listen, there's a there's a handful of folks that from a retainer perspective, I could could, could uh, link up with and partner with. And ironically, those aren't, those two didn't work out, but two or three others, you know, reared their, their heads fairly quickly. I love it. Um, but there was an opportunity to do what I was doing in many ways. And again, the baseline of it is just being a people person, understanding what the needs um, and the objectives and the vision of the organization was um, based on relationships. And, and that's kind of the founding principles of, of, of how I want to operate whether I'm working with someone else or not, or for another organization or not. Um, but with minor league baseball and also felt entertainment, there was an opportunity um, to work with some challenger brands. So I was able to get a Legion airlines on, um, on a Disney on ice uh, partnership, I guess five years ago now, four years ago now um, that parlayed into two or three other things, including minor league baseball being mm-hmm. one of them. Um, but you know, now they are naming rights partner with the Las Vegas Raiders. So you think about those Chrysler on Session Street Live, they're a bigger brand, but you wouldn't know, you know, their philosophy on sports sponsorships is almost nil. Um, and or family entertainment for that matter. So it was working with challenger brands that really kind of inspired me. Guardian Protection's another one out of Pittsburgh. They just got in the, their first foray with partnerships with the Pirates, with the Steelers and minor league baseball. Um, Echo Power Tools is another one. So there's there's a lot of great brands out there and a lot of good people working at those organizations. And they may or may not have understood what activation meant. They may or may not have understood what 
um, that, hey, you don't have to necessarily do signage to accomplish your branding needs and so forth. And so working with folks like that is really what attracted me. Um, and, and I would tell you so far, it's been great. Now you tack on the, the next up partners mm-hmm. uh, scenario um, and, you know, they had a similar goal with the Joe Priest and, and Shri Paul Shaw and Sabrina Jenkins and all the other great folks that are, that are there, you know, you're referencing uh, Chris Traeger, an advisor there. So, you know, there's a, there's a ton of great people there and they all kind of have the same mission that I did. Listen, there's, you don't necessarily have to go to a, a huge agency and, and pay the, the, the huge fees if you're not ready to do so. And here we are um, either as 5G and or next up partners available to do such a thing. I love it, man. Yeah, I think it is uh, the, the next up partners system project initiative, whatever we want to call it. I think it is really interesting, especially because you're you're bringing together so many people that have been at the highest level of sports. And now you kind of want to do your own thing, right? Joe was the CMO of the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals. That's, I mean, how many, how many people on planet earth can say that a handful, right? I mean, you have gone through the corporate partnership, you know, area and and you understand the sales and the business development. You were vice president of business development at minor league baseball. It's one of the biggest leagues in the entire country. One of the seven, six, eight biggest leagues in the entire country. So clearly that is, that's huge. Um, yeah. Sabrina Jenkins, she worked special events for the Atlanta Braves. If you haven't heard, her episode is a couple back. So if you're listening to this one with Gerald right now, take a trip back in time. Sabrina's episode was awesome as well. She worked for the Braves for 27 years. And I think for 15 of them, she was head of their special operations or special events department, which is insane. Think about that. Like, right. So the fact that Joe and, and you guys were able to all come together and understand, hey, like not only can we help each other out, you know, hey, now I have this person over here. If you need help with corporate partnership, I have this person over here if you need help with special events. But you also have the same mission, as you said, and you also aren't yeah. having to pay those exorbitant fees if you were to go to one of those bigger agencies. So I think it's just so cool that you're able to help each other out and then help these clients out in the same way and in the same vein and and really be able to help push them all forward. I, I just think it's awesome. And I guess what was that the biggest attraction, as you said, with with the opportunity to have the same mission as all these other people? Understanding you're not going to be involved in every sale, but you're going to be involved in some of them. Right. So every project's a little bit different. The scope and scale of it, you know, I submit what 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 uh, what I would recommend mm-hmm. and, and which phase it should be a part of as well. So that's kind of been the uh, the overarching thing for me. It was like that first conversation with Joe Dupree. If, if for those of you who haven't met Joe Dupree or haven't seen one of his podcasts whenever that's going to happen. You need oh, to. Oh, it already happened. You can go listen to that one too. Oh, you can go listen to Joe Dupree. Yeah, so Joe, Joe is, is a sharp individual, to your point, well-versed um, in the industry uh, with his time in the Washington, D.C. area. Now he's in Atlanta. Um, you know, I've got Georgia ties. So, you know, we immediately start talking about Georgia versus Georgia Tech because I grew up a Georgia football fan. And uh, so it was a tremendous opportunity to kind of get to, to know him. I met him through Chris Traeger, who I'm doing some things with on the side as well. Uh, who's now at a company called Field Experience and an advisor for Next Step Partners. So, um, you know, it's all about networks. I will tell you, it is about people. And, you know, as you go through this, you kind of know who you want to associate with and who you don't. I'm extremely loyal to those who have given me opportunities in the past and still keep up with each and every one of them um, that have certainly have hired me. And so th- this this next round um, and what I'm in now is, you know, the work from home. I love where I live in the Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida, Tampa Bay region, um, which right now is on top of the world sports wise with the lightning and could be the Rays and I'll cross my could, fingers, be the, could be the Buccaneers. Ooh, you never know. Yeah. So, um, 
so you know we'll see what happens um with this the, the writings on the wall that we're on a great path early on all early indicators show that both with 5g sports and entertainment as well as with next up partners next up partners kind of that next level up for me it's about hey individual relationships that i've had and taking on two or three projects at a time and kind of moving those forward so big picture um i've also aligned with uh with another group that's that's got karate camp combat um, and, and maybe doing some FIBA stuff and uh, FC Cincinnati with some more relationships and a family entertainment group out of uh, out of Los Angeles called Kilburn Live. So I stay busy and but I'm only I'm doing it with people that I like. Um, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, John Sanford at, at Kilburn Live and Mark uh, Manuel, uh, you know, that ownership group, they're innovators in their own right. You, you, you turn the page and these guys at karate combat think they have the next ufc um and i agree with it um and so to be a part of some of these projects early on and rock and rolling is something special nfc cincinnati moving into a new uh, venue in weston stadium there uh in, in that part of, of, of town they've gotten a lot of fanfare they've sold a lot of tickets and so forth we hope those those fans can actually go sit in their seats at some point in time in the near future but to be a part of some of these things um, you know, just, just adding layers to a, what I'd say an already successful and fun career. I love it, man. I think it is just so much fun for you. As you said, you know, before, you know, it was one team, it was one team, then it was kind of a little bit of an agency, then it was a league. And now you pretty much, you can, you can open your book wide up and go help whoever, however you feel. And you've had the experiences, you, you have the wisdom, you have the knowledge on, on how to do that. As you said, you know, I can teach, you can teach these people some things that they don't know, especially these challenger brands, these smaller brands, especially on that individual level. Uh, and that is that is service, man. And then again, being able to then work with Next Up so you can work on some slightly bigger projects along the way. Sounds like you get to fulfill all those, uh, check all those boxes. So I think that part's pretty awesome, man. But thank you, Gerald Jones. This has been absolutely fantastic. Where can everybody find you on the internet in case they want to reach out or ask you a couple questions? Absolutely. Um, we're on all social media channels under 5G-SE.com. Um, uh, that's the website. And then certainly on on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, as well as Facebook and, and Instagram. So we're in all those places. And obviously, we're on the same with, with Next Step Partners as well. So um, reach out and we'll be happy to answer any questions you guys may have. I love it. Thank you so much, Gerald. You can find me at Michael Raziel one, but uh, this was absolutely fantastic. Excited to get this out to the people a little bit more and, and uh, hopefully you guys can help some more of these brands. Really appreciate your time today, Gerald. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael.